Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. So we are back in 1 Peter for the last time in a while, okay? And here's our, here's our purpose for the whole book of 1 Peter, all right? So we're going to be filtering everything that we hear today through this. Readers or hearers should be growing in faith and faithfulness all of the time, but especially when they are suffering. So that goes for the original hearers and readers of this letter, and that goes for us today. And then, I think that you'll be glad to know that we just have a short verse. A short verse, ladies, you don't necessarily get to lay back and rest today, um, but you, you do get to kind of look at the men, and unlike last week when you weren't allowed to elbow men, ladies, you can elbow this week. Uh, no, you don't have to do that, okay? But let's go ahead and read this passage together. Uh, Likewise, or I'll read it. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. All right. Let's just start at the beginning, shall we? Likewise. Okay? In the same way. Husbands. All right? We know that we're talking to husbands now, okay? So in the same way, husbands, listen up now. What are we talking about the same way? Being submissive? Because we've just got done talking about how um, uh, uh, slaves or servants, people working in the household are to be submissive to their masters, and that wives should be submissive to their husbands. So husbands, in the same way, be submissive? Not exactly. Okay, not exactly. What we have been talking about is a couple of things. We've been talking about doing things with respect. Okay, uh, Everyone is to treat all people with respect. Servants are to respect their masters and wives are to treat their husbands with respect. Husbands now... In the same way, we have something laid out before us to be treating our wives, and I think we're going to see here in just a couple minutes, if not our wives, the ladies in our life, with respect. Okay? So let's start there. Likewise, in the same way, with the same kind of respect, but then I think it's more than that too. We're not just talking about respect. We're also talking about back in chapter 2, Verses uh, 19 through 25, Jesus' example, right, to us living under a government, Jesus' example to people working in households, Jesus' example to wives living with their husbands, and now Jesus' example to husbands living with their wives. So we're not talking about submission here, although in a way we are talking about submitting ourselves to Christ, placing ourselves under Christ. What we're talking about is being a husband with the likeness of Christ. Being a husband with the likeness of Christ. Primarily that means with humility. 
but we're also not Jesus, right husbands? We're not perfect. We have to come at this role of being the husband with humility. And so with that, we're humbling ourselves before God and we're being repentant of the things that we're getting wrong as well. Okay, so now I know that um, I'm not going to say older. I'm going to say there are some more mature husbands in the room. And you might be looking at this and saying to yourself, I've got this sorted out now. Everything's fine. Okay, let's just assume that we do have it sorted out. There probably are some things that we messed up somewhere along the line, right? Being husbands. Um, so even things in our past, even if we have made things right in the present, we need to examine our past as husbands and as fathers. And we need to look back and see where we've gone wrong too and seek uh, the Lord's forgiveness and the forgiveness of our wives and our families in that, as is Christ's example with his humility. But husbands, that's who we're talking to now. So, husbands. I think we all know what a husband is, okay? We're not going to talk about any cultural confusion that there might be in the category of husband, um, but I do want to talk about the confusion that maybe you and I have about what a husband is. So where are we going to go to sort out that confusion, to try to clear up anything that we might be confused about? Well, there's a couple places. Paul talks about this often, right? In Colossians and in Ephesians, and we might address those places later. But the number one place that we need to go to figure out what a husband is, is at the beginning. In the book of beginnings, in the book of Genesis. Okay? Uh, you don't have to turn there with me. We're not going to have enough time to read chapters 2 and 3 of Genesis, although that would be nice. Okay? Instead, I'm just going to walk us through that and see the model that God has set before us as husbands and then as wives as well. Okay, so what happens in the book of Genesis? Uh, chapter 1, we learn that God has always existed. We also learn that God's word makes things happen. Okay, and then God created every natural thing that we see and many natural things that we have not seen, right? And then we go into chapter 2 and God creates something else. He creates man. And man is given a job to do. He's to look at this creation that God has made. He's to look at the animals. He's to take care of it. He's to name the animals. He's given a role of authority, but always with authority comes responsibility, right? He doesn't get to watch a giraffe walk by and a lion and a zebra and say, okay, you're a dog, you're a dog, you're a dog. No, 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 okay? He's got to take this job seriously. God has given him a job to do, and that is to be over creation. But as Adam's doing this and as he's taking care of what God has asked him to take care of, he realizes that something is missing and that is, he's lonely. There's nothing else that looks like him. And so God says, I'm going to make you a helper. And that helper is woman. And now, helper is not a bad word, right? We like having helpers. 
Okay, don't we? I, I think that we do. We need help sometimes. But also God is called our helper. The Holy Spirit is called our helper. It's not a word that's placing women down here. If that were the case, it would be a word that's placing God down here. And we know that that is not true. So women are made to be helpers. And yet, what does that mean? It means that man has a job to do and that the women are coming underneath the man and taking part in that job, right? Chapter 3, Genesis, what happens? Satan comes in. He's being sneaky. He deceives the woman. Ah, oh, women so easily deceived. How dare he? No. Who was standing next to Eve? Adam was standing next to Eve, right? And so we often look at that verse and we say, well, Eve was the first to be deceived and so on and so forth. Adam, Adams, we had a job to do. And that job was to not let our wives be deceived. That job was to make sure that women were placed under our loving authority, a loving authority that would not stand by and let Satan deceive our wives. But, before we go any further with that, let's just say this is where the idea of marriage comes from. And it even says that in Genesis chapter 2. That God was the one to preside over the first wedding of the first man and the first woman. All right, now, men and ladies, you don't have to answer this out loud, okay? But what happens? The same thing happens with us men today. Um, we stand by and we let our women take charge for us, don't we? And sometimes what we do is exactly what Adam did. We stand in the bushes and we're just waiting to see what happens. And then we'll eat of that sour fruit as well. Right? We become complacent and we become lazy. And that's not what God has made husbands for. Okay? Now men, um, I don't have the tendency to be like this with my wife. But with my words and with my voice, I have the tendency to be like this with my children, okay? Um, I can be too firm sometimes, right? I can be too strong sometimes. And that's the other end of the spectrum, from being lazy and being complacent and not wanting to fill my role as husband, um, to this end of, I need everyone to be helping me. And I start using my words strongly, right? And we know oftentimes these are the two extremes that men take. Just standing off to the side or being physically involved in ways that they should not be. And this is always the way that men are falling out of their husbandly roles, okay? All right. But we also see in Ephesians chapter 5, you don't have to turn there. If you are quick with your pages, though, you may. If you go to Ephesians chapter 5, we also see in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having 
having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she may be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave her father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then I love it, verse 32 of Ephesians 5. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. Okay, so all the time, even though Paul's been talking about husbands and wives, he's now saying, oh, this is, this is all about Jesus and his bride, the church. Okay, so we men, we have a very clear example, a non-Adam example. In fact, the second Adam, the new Adam, the better Adam example in Christ. And we're going to dig into that a little bit more as we continue today. So with this, I think we see this. As helpers, what, is it, what does that mean? Husbands and our roles. It means that we need help, don't we? God would not have given us a helper if we didn't need help. Women, this is an important role. This is an extremely important role. Um, the Baptist Confession of Faith says it this way, marriage was ordained or made by God for the mutual help of the husband and wife. It wasn't just for the husband, and it wasn't just for the wife. It was made so that both the husband and the wife could be helping one another fill their roles as husband and as wife. Okay, so husbands, let's just stop it right there for now, okay? And we'll keep moving, and we'll touch on this in just a little bit. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. In an understanding way. Um, now, our tendency, I think, would be to just look at understanding way and say, much like people would misunderstand Genesis chapter 2 and 3 and say, Yes, the women are weak, and we must live with them in an understanding way because of their weakness. No. Okay? We're not talking necessarily about the women here, right? Who's this to right now? Husbands, okay? Husbands, we need to understand this. We need to live with our wives in an understanding way. And the language here is very general. That word understanding is general. Um, it's not specific. It's not saying you need to live in an understanding way by listening to everything that your wife has to say. Right? <laughs> okay. Even though that's a good place to start. Okay? What is this understanding way? And I think that Peter, by the, through the guiding of the Holy Spirit, left it very general for a reason. I think there's three ways that we could look at this understanding. And it would be important to us to, to view it in all three ways. The first of which is, if we were to go back to 1 Peter, verse 14, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, uh, Peter encourages us not to go back to the ignorance, the stupidity, <laughs> the not having the knowledge that we had in our former lives. Uh, Peter, and we said this during, this, during that message, in chapter 1, verse 14, Peter is saying, don't go back to the way that your ancestors used to live. Right? 
So Jews don't go back to living like the law is the only thing you have. You cannot place your faith in the law. The law was always pointing to something else, to a Savior, Jesus. So don't go back to living simply according to the law. And Gentiles, those who were not Jews, you can't go back to living the way that you did before you knew Jesus. Okay? So this understanding here, in one sense, is just generally knowledge. Okay? So husbands, uh, we cannot go back to demanding by law or by rule what our wives do. We cannot live as husbands in that way. We cannot be this forceful husband over here. And we cannot go back to a way of living that says, it's okay if my wife does whatever she wants to do because I'm going to have this mistress and this mistress and this second wife. We can't go back to that way either. We have a new way of understanding what marriage is, of what being a husband and wife is. So we live with understanding, with knowledge about what that is. Also, yes, this does mean listening to everything that your wife says. Okay? <laughs> it does mean that. So we work to understand who our wife is. We work to understand what her dreams are what her ambitions are, what her fears are. We work to understand um, what she needs, right? What she wants, even, okay? So we're working to know who our wives are, to understand who our wives are. And then lastly, and this kind of goes along with the first one, and that is who God is. We have to live with the right understanding of who God is while living with our wives, okay? Because if we don't have that, we're going to go right back to these two extremes, okay? All right, so likewise, husbands, in the same way, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Understand who they are. Understand who God has made you to be. And don't go back to the way that we used to be before we knew Jesus. Showing honor. Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor. This is one of the ways that we live with our wives in an understanding way. Now, this word honor here, it's actually very straightforward, okay? It's a very clear word. It would be like showing honor to a king, okay? Um, we... A couple weeks ago, I may have made a joke about several presidents. One of those presidents is now gone. Either way, if any of the presidents were standing in front of me, realistically, I would probably shake their hand and show them the honor that they deserve, right? I might wash my hands after, no, I'm sorry. That went, oh, that just went against it, okay. I would shake their hands and I would show them the honor that they deserve. Okay, this is the exact same kind of honor. Um, in the same way that, Wives are showing honor to the husband by being submissive in the same way that slaves and servants, uh, even sometimes to their detriment and to their suffering, are to show honor in the same way that we are to honor God, okay? 
It's a deep respect that we're showing for someone. But that's not where we stop. Uh, because this, this next phrase, showing honor to the woman. Okay? Now, this is very funny what Peter did here. It's very funny. Because he could have said to the wives. He could have said that, and it would have been very clear about who he was talking about. It could have been very clear that he was talking about the wives that we have at the beginning of, or in the last line, in, at the beginning of verse 7, okay? But instead, it's a more general word being used here. Uh, and it's not just females, like we're showing honor to all females, although we do that, because we're talking about specifically females in your household, okay? So there's two ways that we can look at this, and we should look at this. The first of which is that husbands and fathers, if there are females in your house, you treat them with the honor that they deserve. What is this honor? Just like we saw in Genesis chapters 2 and 3 and chapter 1, man and woman were both made in the image of God. Right? Uh, we are to be reflecting. In fact, whether we like it or not, some part of us reflects who God is. We show people honor and respect for that reason. But then also, more specifically, uh, I don't want to do this, okay? I don't want to say that anything that is female is not male, okay? I don't want to say that. Uh, and what I mean by that is this, that, um, for instance, and maybe you know someone like this, maybe you had a father like this, but anything that a woman does, the man does the opposite of, okay? So if a wife or a mother is loving and uh, likes to hug and show affection, the father won't do that. The husband won't do that because that's a woman's thing and men don't do that, right? Uh, I'm not going to do dishes because that's a woman's thing. I don't do that, okay? That's not, we don't work in opposites like that, okay? But there are uniquenesses like this, okay? And what I mean is that God created man and woman both in his own image and both unique, not opposites, but unique. All right, so very literally what Peter is saying here is that we are to show honor to the femaleness of the woman. The fact that she was created unique by God to be a female. So we show honor to the female because she's a female. I know that sounds weird, but it, it's that simple, Okay. It's that simple, and we're going to see some ways that we can and can't do that. Um, but what this means is, husbands, we must be living humbly and compassionately with our wives, knowing that they're not just like us, knowing that they need different things than we need. And it might not be the book, well, you know, women are emotional and so on and so forth. I'm the emotional one in the relationship, okay? I'm the emotional one. So, um, I mean, Tara's still learning that, but it, it's not just straight down the line, everyone's exactly the same, right? And we can't assume that about our wives, even though sometimes that's just our default. We want to just assume that because it would make things easier and we wouldn't have to work as hard as we should to get to know the other person. Okay, so 
We're going to bring this up at the end, but just in case you haven't picked up on it thus far, you know, I'm always using these two words, doctrine and devotion. That is what we believe and the way that we live our life because of it. Uh, husbands, we should be beginning to realize uh, that our doctrine, what we believe about God in the Bible, is affecting the way that we live our lives directly. Okay? All right. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. All right. Ladies, are you weak? Oh! <laughs> are you weak? No. No, thank you. Thank you. But, but how do we know that you're not weak? How do we know that you're not weak? Uh, I'll give you one way that we know that you're not weak. Okay? Okay. Uh, and this is chapter 3, starting verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord or Sir. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So I ask again, women, are you weak? No, you're not weak, right? You don't read verses 1 through 6 and get that a woman is weak in her heart, in her mind. Right? Women, you carry the brunt of the household. You do. Even when I try to pick up the like, weight in the household, Tara's still carrying three times as much as I am. Right? And she's strong for it. I'm so proud of myself for doing the dishes, but she probably did the dishes twice already that day and took care of all the kids, right? All right. So women, you're not weak, and let, yet you have a femaleness, okay? You're made differently. You're made uniquely. Okay? Which oftentimes does mean that men are stronger than women. And what Peter is pointing us to here is exactly what we feared in verses 1 through 6. Um, is that men sometimes have the tendency to be on this side of sinning and neglecting our role as husbands. Men have a physical advantage. I don't want you to take from Genesis chapter 3 that we have a spiritual advantage. I don't think that's true. Women, you are strong, and yet men... Very subtly, Peter's telling us here that we are to respect women and their femaleness, which would include their bodies, treating them like a weaker vessel that is not treating them like we would another man who has offended us. Okay? This does mean that Peter is very subtly saying, husbands, don't hit your wives. Husbands, don't use words so strong that you know it's going to break your wife. This is 
very specifically what Peter is trying to get at here. But just in case you didn't think it was important enough that woman was made in man's image, here's another reason why we don't do that, and it's another reason why we show honor, and it's another way, reason why we live with our wives in an understanding way, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Heirs. Uh, you're inheriting something. Okay. Uh, we see in Galatians chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, Verses 27 through 29. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, we have put on Christ. That is that we are becoming more like him. We're being made more into the image of Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. That is the promise of eternal life. Okay, uh, Wade, you just said something that was a little bit confusing, because here you are, you've been focusing on maleness and femaleness, and husbands and wives, and you just said that there, there's no male and female. What's going on here? All right, well, Paul's hitting at something a little bit different than the way Peter is here in Galatians. Uh, but let's just take 1 Peter as an example, okay? Uh, do we see in 1 Peter that there are still Jews and Greeks? Yes, right? It's a letter that is written to churches that are mixed of Jews and Greeks, probably mostly Gentiles, okay, or Greeks. Um, also, do we see that there are still slaves and free? Yeah, just two weeks ago we saw that there are servants and there are masters. And then we just saw that at the very beginning of everything, God wanted there to be male and female. But here's what Peter is getting at, and here's what Paul's getting at too. Um, when it comes to us standing before God, we are equal. We were created equal. Both of us carrying God's image. And when Jesus suffered and died on the cross for us, he made sure that we were equal in receiving the blessings that come along with our salvation. See, Peter does not have a problem here with both women needing to submit and an equality with man. Peter isn't pitting these two things against each other. He's saying that both are true. That women do submit and that they are made equal to man. Or that man and woman are made equal to one another. Okay, That's mind-boggling for everyone in the whole world to understand. <laughs> okay? It's absolutely mind-boggling. This is why, though... We have even many, many Christians who would take this Galatians passage and say that uh, there's no difference between man and woman, and a woman can do anything that a man can do. Yes, probably physically and mentally and spiritually. Yes, she can. That is true. But there is a specific role that God has given to men, 
And there's a specific role that God has given to woman. And yet, that does not change our standing before God. Okay? All right. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And then here's where it gets serious, men. It gets very serious. So that your prayers may not be hindered. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Um, first of all, let's look at it like this. Husbands, men in the room, not only can we take from this in a very like overhead way, looking down at the passage, that our lives and our theology um, are to be combined. Uh, God just combined our theology in our lives right now. He said that men, if we're not doing these other things, if we're not showing women honor, if we're not living in an understanding way with them, um, our lives and the way that we're connected to God is going to be hindered. There is going to be a wall that is built up. Okay, You're going to be the reason why the wall was built, and God's going to be the one building the wall. And that should be shocking. I would hope that that's shocking. Right? Because oh, God loves us. And God just wants us to love Him and to be close to Him. And, but if you're not living rightly according to the way that God wants you to live, there will be something keeping you from Him. Now, that might sound a bit harsh. Okay, that might sound a bit harsh. Um, I'm going to read just a little bit from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, starting verse 3. Okay? Consider him who endured, endured from sinners such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son who, whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. Jesus, or God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. If you are not living with your wife or living with the women in your life in an honorable way, God will discipline you. And he should discipline you. If you're not feeling that discipline, if you're not feeling disconnected from God, you're called something else by the writer of Hebrews, and that is an illegitimate child and not truly a son. Uh, one theologian says it this way, God is so concerned that Christian husbands live in an understanding and loving way with their wives that he interrupts or he breaks off for a short time his relationship with them 
when they are not doing that, when they're not honoring and loving and understanding. No Christian husband should presume, should assume, to think that any spiritual good will be accomplished by his life without an effective ministry of prayer. And no husband may expect an effective prayer life unless he lives with his wife in an understanding way, showing her honor. To take the time to maintain, that is to keep a good thing going, to build and keep a good thing going, a good marriage, that's God's will for each and every man in this room. It is a way that we not only serve our wives, but that we serve God. It is a spiritual activity that is pleasing to God. It is a spiritual activity, men, for us to sit down with our wives and listen to everything that they have to say. <laughs> men, it is a spiritual thing to sit down next to our wives and let her have quiet time and not say anything at all. It is a spiritual thing to get to know what our wives want, what they desire, what their goals are. Okay? It's a spiritual thing for us to act like good husbands and to not be like our father, Adam. So, uh, we see that we can be uh, punished, we can be reprimanded, we can be disciplined by God for the way that we are living out our roles or not living out our roles. And uh, wives, let's take it back to everybody now. This goes for all of us. Uh, if we're not living the way that God desires for us to live, um, I can't say that it's going to be as maybe strong as what Peter is saying here. But in some way, we can be assured that our relationship with God is going to be affected in a deep way and we will be living disobediently if we are not fulfilling our roles as husband and wife. And now, you could be saying to me right now, um, you could be saying to me uh, that this all seems very unfair you could say that. Husbands, you could say that. You could say, oh man, you know, my wife, I would listen to everything she has to say, but she's got a lot to say, right? I would not hit my wife, but I'll tell you what, sometimes she has a lot to say. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's that. Um, I, you know, I would love to fulfill my role as husband, but she's got it under control. Look at that strong woman over there. I'm just going to sit back. Um, it seems really unfair that God would be trying to discipline us for this, okay? In my mind, it does. Um, but let's rewind just a little bit, okay? Let's go back just a little bit, uh, because here's what we need to remember. As unfair as this seems, and as unfair to the world as what these passages are saying to us, that husbands were to act like a biblical husband and that wives were to act like a biblical wife, um, that husbands, wives, servants, we might endure suffering because we're doing our job as husband and wife well, 
That seems really unfair. Um, you know what? That unfairness is given flesh in Jesus Christ. That unfairness is given flesh in Jesus Christ and in his suffering. Uh, Jesus was, in fact, the last person that deserved to suffer. And yet he had a role that was given to him by God just as each and every one of us have a role that has been given to us. And so perhaps, when thinking about our roles as husbands and as wives, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, if you have a Bible with you. And let's look at Peter's challenge to us, starting in verse 19. Sorry, starting in verse 21. Husbands, wives, to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Husbands and wives, uh, to this we have been called. So here's a big idea for this week. Men? Oh. Men? <laughs> Shaping your marriage into something that honors God is vital for your soul. And yes, I mean specifically for the eternality of your soul. It's eternally important. Okay? Now, if you're here today, and maybe you're not married, or maybe you have other women in your life, like I do now as well with two daughters that I never expected, that's craziness to me, um, my role as a man to the little women in my life is vital for the eternal health of my soul. If you're unmarried... Your relationship to women and the way that you're relating to them is, is important for the eternal health of your soul. It's important so that you stay in relationship with God. And then for women in the room, your role is eternally important. Your role as helper is eternally important for the soul of your husband and for your soul.
Thanks for listening. And remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.